0: Today on Know the Truth, from Philip DeCourcy.
1: Just as a wall needs to be built straight and a road laid correctly, so God's Word needs to be handled correctly. This is a call to let the Bible speak. This is a call for exposition, not imposition. This is a reminder that when the text makes plain sense, seek no other sense.
0: And welcome to Know the Truth. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. 2 Timothy warns us what the last days will look like. There will be great deception, a war on truth, and a distaste for sound doctrine. Today, Philip de Corsi shows us how we can contend for the faith in these last days by handling God's Word with care. It's the conclusion of a message called Straight Talk from the Without Apology series. And if you missed any of the previous lessons, you can find them and listen on your own time at ktt.org or on the app. Now, here's Pastor Philip.
1: We've been studying 2 Timothy together. I mean, this is a book for us because it describes the culture. Because in chapter 3, Paul tells us that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, pride, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. This is a book that speaks to our day. It describes our culture, and it describes the contemporary church. Because in chapter 4, Paul tells us, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering." For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will keep to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's our day. The church is compromised. It's weak. Theologically, the culture is marked by sin and wickedness. In this letter, Paul calls Timothy to live a life without apology. And we want to learn how to do that. And so we come to chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, a message I've entitled Straight Talk. You and I need to realize that theological error is a clear and present danger to all of us. It's a danger to every Christian in every church in every age. And that's why I want to come to the passage before us, because Paul acknowledges the danger of error and the need to preserve and pursue and protect truth. Paul is giving a straight talk about truth and error here in verses 14 through 19 of the second chapter of 2nd Timothy. The first thing we can do is Paul gives us this straight talk on the danger of error and the promotion of truth is to stir the saints, to enlist the wider church by reminding them of the truth itself, and secondly, solemnly charging them to shun and avoid ruinous debates with men who oppose the truth. We see that Timothy was told to tell the Ephesians to avoid theological word battles with false teachers, and then Timothy was encouraged to focus on handling the text of Scripture truthfully so that his teaching and his preaching, I would guess, would be profitable to this congregation. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think Paul is arguing here in verse 15, in the light of verse 14, that a true knowledge of Scripture is the best antidote to error spreading like cancer. Because that's what he says about error, doesn't he? In verse 17, it spreads like a cancer. Well, the best antidote to that cancer is a good infusion and injection of biblical theology and scriptural truth. And that will come through a faithful expositor who handles the text well. That's kind of where we're at here. Paul wants Timothy to be a workman in the word. A worker verse 15, who does not need to be ashamed. This is another image of the Christian leader. If you've been counting, he has talked about the Christian leader as a teacher, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, and now a workman. And before we're done in Second Timothy 2, he'll introduce vessel and slave. Seven pictures of the pastor. It's like Paul is adding one brush stroke upon another brushstroke, adding dimension and definition to the effective servant of God. I love it, and I'm challenged by it. You know, before I went into the ministry, I was an aircraft engineer, did a four-year apprenticeship, and then worked in an aerospace company for several years, and I I loved it. And after we had completed a job, the inspectors would come, and if it wasn't done exactly the code or the blueprints or whatever, we got a snag sheet. And we had to work through the snag sheet, fix all of those things, and then get the approval from the inspectors. And that's kind of the idea that's going on here. There's this fundamental sense that the preacher speaks to an audience of one. Fundamentally, there's an audience of one before I get to you. Because I've got to know that today I've preached a message that God will approve of. That's a scary thought. 2 Corinthians 5 we read these words from Paul, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's true of the preacher more than anybody, because James 3, 1, we have mentioned it, he will be doubly judged. So the gospel workman, the good workman, is God-centered. He ministers out of a glorious vision of God. I was interested to learn, in the book, Shadow of the Almighty, about Jim Elliott, the late martyred missionary from the jungles of Ecuador, when he was a student at Wheaton College, he wrote this in his diary. My grades came through this week and were, as expected, lower than last semester. Now, just listen to that. My grades came in this week and, as expected, lower than last semester. He was rooting to feel. You go, why? However, I make no apologies and I admit I've let them drag a bit for study of the Bible, in which I seek the degree of AUG approved unto God. Wow, that's cool. A certain effort, a certain estimation, a certain exactness, the word workman is to work with his shoulder to the wheel. The word workman is to work with an eye to the sky. And the word workman is to work with his fingers on the text. Look at this phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent. That's the effort. To present yourself approved to God. That's the estimation. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the exactness. And this is set in contrast, by the way, to the false teacher who, according to verse 18, has strayed concerning the truth. That's an image of the archer who shoots at a target and misses. They're missing the target of the truth. They're going to stray. But you, now you're to rightly divide the word of truth. Timothy, you're to be a stickler for theological accuracy You're to run from human speculation and idle academic theological reflection. And you're to understand the travesty involved in mishandling the text of God's word. I've told you before, on the first day of my time at the Master's Seminary, Dr. Dick Mayhew said to us that day, the greatest blasphemy is to take an inerrant Bible about a sinless Christ and teach it erroneously. And that kind of makes you sit up and it puts a new spin on your homework and parsing your Greek verbs and studying your Hebrew. That can be tedious, by the way. And some of us are not that good at it. And some of us are struggling with English, let alone Greek and Hebrew in that class. I did. I failed the English entrance test of the Master's Seminary. And I was put into a remedial English class to learn parsing the verbs and the construction of a sentence so that I could better understand Greek and Hebrew. But you know what? I pushed through all of that. I gritted my teeth because you know what? Dick Mayhew's right. If this is the class that takes me to another class that allows me to understand the Bible better, then that will keep me from blaspheming God by preaching his word errantly. In fact, this word is interesting. It means to cut straight. It's the Greek word that gives us our word orthopedics or orthodontics. Orthodontics is when a good dentist straightens your teeth, and that's our word. In fact, it's used in the Greek to speak of a stone mason cutting and squaring a stone, a kind of bricklayer, a farmer ploughing a furrow straight across the field for sowing, a building of a road across the countryside in a straight line. That's our word. It's a farming word. It's an engineering word. It's a construction worker's word. And just as a wall needs to be built straight and a road laid correctly, so God's word needs to be handled correctly. This is a call to let the Bible speak. This is a call for exposition, not imposition. This is a reminder that when the text makes plain sense. Seek no other sense. This is a call to good hermeneutics, because listen to me, when you come to look at, we're not going to be able really to do it for any length of time, Hymenius and Philetus, their heresy that spreads like a cancer is that they believe the resurrection has already passed. They have spiritualized the doctrine of the resurrection. It's not to be taken literally. They were involved with kind of Gnostic Greek philosophy that matter was evil. Therefore, there's no way Jesus would have really had a physical body. It was probably an operation. Or he took it to himself like a set of clothes. It wasn't this wonderful hypostatic union between divinity and humanity. And he shed it, never to take it up again at his death. Or they would maybe argue, you know what? The resurrection spoken of in the Bible is the spiritual rising of new life in the Christian's heart. All of that is the fruit of bad hermeneutics, spiritualizing the text, allegorizing the text, mishandling the text. So the pastor needs to be one who is exact in his teaching. Let me go just for a couple more minutes. Let me just kind of wrap this up on this thought and touch on the last thought. But I mentioned I spend some time in aerospace. And due to the kindness of our brother Stan Swartz, I have a beautiful. Box mounted on my wall in my study. And in it, Stan took several old tools that I had from my engineering days, a steel rule and some calipers and measuring tools. I've got inside and outside calipers. And Stan took them and burnished them up and he put them on a nice black mat and boxed them. And I got him to etch on a a nice little metal plaque the words of 2nd Timothy 2.15. Cut the tax straight. And those tools hang on my wall to remind me And I took it very seriously. When I worked on the assembly line of an aircraft company, I took my job seriously. There needs to be an exactness about anything you do with an aircraft. Because you want it to go up and not come down until it's ready to land. And there was a precision about that. And now I find myself out of my overalls and my old tools are getting rusty. But now I left a pen and a pencil and paper and open my Bible and I'm surrounded by books, but I remind myself the same exactness needs to apply to my handling of God's Word because souls are involved. In fact, I thought about this. You know that story back in 2 Samuel 6 where they're carrying the ark and they put it on a new cart? That was wrong in the first place because it was to be carried by the sons of Korah on poles. And you remember how it bounces and the oxen stumble, and it looks like the Ark of the Covenant's going to fall over, and this guy, Yuza, touches it? And the Lord strikes him down dead? For the mishandling of the Ark of the Covenant, it was not his to touch. And I thought to myself, my word, is the scripture, in a sense, not the Ark of the Covenant? Do we not have the law of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the revelation of God in this book, and some of us mishandling it? Scary stuff. Okay, what about the shunning of the subversives? Well, I've kind of touched on verse 16 and following, but I'll just kind of touch on it a little. He reintroduces the thought of verse 14 again, that there is healthy doctrine. In fact, when you read about sound doctrine in the letters of Paul to Timothy, the word sound in the Greek means healthy. So there is such a thing as healthy doctrine that promotes godliness, brings us to a better understanding of God and draws us closer to the God who has made himself known and wants us to know him. But just as there is healthy doctrine, there is unhealthy doctrine. And what are we to do in the face of it? We're to shun it We're to shun it. Look at verse 16. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And we're given an example of that. And we've touched on these two men who've denied the past physical resurrection of Jesus and are denying the future resurrection of the body in terms of the Christian. Interesting that Paul calls them out by name. There is a place to mark out by name false teachers because the effects are catastrophic. They ruin people. They promote ungodliness. Their doctrines spread like cancer. And according to verse 18, they upset the faith of some. But here's where I want to finish because Paul not only gives us the example of false teachers here and the effects of their false teaching, but he gives us an encouragement. That's where we'll wrap up. Verse 19. Nevertheless, you know, it's been pretty negative in the verses preceding verse 19, but nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I like what John Stott says, although the faith of man can be upset, the foundation of God remains secure. The image of the foundation probably speaks of the church. You say, where would you get that idea? Well, in First Timothy three verse fifteen, here's how the church is described: You ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. In fact, if you go to First Corinthians three ten to fifteen and Ephesians two nineteen to twenty two, the church is often likened to a building or a foundation. Now, here's what's interesting as we wrap up: Paul notes that often buildings have inscriptions on them, and those inscriptions designate ownership and purpose. Go back to our text, verse 19. The foundation of God stands having this seal, having this inscription, and there's two inscriptions. The Lord knows those who are His. These men, Hymenius and Philetus, had left the faith, strayed from the truth. They were overturning the faith of some, which means they had spurious faith. These are apostates. People who looked like they were saved, but now have been infected by false doctrine, have allowed that cancer to enter their lives, and they are turning from Christ and proving to be those who were among us, but went out from us because they were never of us. But this we know the Lord knows those that are His. In the middle of all this going on, the Lord knows those who are truly committed to the truth, the Lord knows His people. He's known them from eternity. He has set his love and election on them. He has called them through the effectual calling of the gospel and the spirit of God. He has sealed them with the spirit and he is supplying them persevering faith. The Lord knows those that are his and they're kept by the power of God and their inheritance is forever reserved in heaven. So there's one inscription that points to God's hidden knowledge of the elect. And then there's another inscription that points to the visible knowledge of the elect. The evidence of those who are the Lord's is that they will depart from iniquity. Regeneration brings new life, and new life produces new behavior and righteous living. That's just a fact. If any man's in Christ he's a new creature. And you're going to know God's people by their fruits. They say they have faith. Well, take a look at their works. Works is the evidence of saving faith. False teachers are a threat. And Paul warns against it. They have the potential of damaging the church, no doubt, but they do not have the ability to destroy the church because Christ will build it. And the church is the ground of truth and it's unshakable. And God knows those who are his and the remnant and the elect will persevere and depart from iniquity and reject false teaching. The eternal and sovereign and electing purposes of God will see to it, and the testimony of true believers will give voice and visibility to the fact that the church is unshakable. God saves, surely, and the elect persevere victoriously despite the threat of error and evil. That's where Paul writes off. Walter Winchell was a famous radio news commentator during World War II. And once after a particularly dark week, when the port of Singapore fell to the Japanese, he closed his broadcast with these now famous words, Singapore has fallen, but the rock of ages still stands. Nevertheless, we're sure of this, the foundation of God is sure. Sure. And sealed with these truths that God knows those that are his and everyone that names the name of Christ will depart from iniquity how do we combat error in this straight talk from Paul by staring the Saints by studying the scriptures by shunning the subversives let's pray Lord we're very much aware of the threat posed to the integrity of our lives the purity of the church and the potency of the gospel by false teachers and false teaching. Lord, I thank you for men like John MacArthur who not only fear you, but fear what error can do to the church. It seems today the church is so embracing of positivity that we're almost frightened to judge, to be discerning. We have few watchmen on the wall call us as a body of men here at kindred to be watchmen on the wall lord we're not out to burn everybody at the stake who disagrees with us that's not the point of the text but it is a warning that false doctrines like a cancer in the body of christ and the antidote is faithful men teaching the bible accurately and faithful congregations engaging that truth and departing from iniquity and shunning men and women who teach falsely. Make us such a church. Make us such man. Make me such a pastor. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. This is Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy and the conclusion of a message titled Straight Talk. If you missed any of today's lesson or want to listen again, you'll find it at ktt.org. We're glad to have you with us today. As a faithful listener of Know the Truth, we want to take a moment to thank you for your support. It's your listening, sharing, and giving that keeps this Bible teaching program on the air, bringing the truth of God's Word to people across the country and abroad. And this month, I want to invite you to take your support a step further by becoming a Truth Ambassador. These monthly supporters give an automated gift of $25, $50, $100 or more to share the gospel and help other believers become more firmly rooted in God's Word. You'll receive a welcome package with recently written books by Philip DeCourcy and other exclusive benefits. As a bonus, we'll also send you a custom Know the Truth shirt as a special thank you. This gift is for those who become monthly truth ambassadors during January, and it will regularly remind you that you are a faithful member of the Know the Truth team. Finally, when you become a truth ambassador or give a one-time gift of any amount, you'll receive Living by God's Promises. This book will help you treasure the promises that God establishes in Christ and conveys in His covenant love to comfort you in sorrow and strengthen your faith. So call today, 888-644-8811, or give online at ktt.org. If you'd prefer to write, address your envelope to Know the Truth. Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you haven't already, look for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and get connected with our online community. There you can stay up to date on upcoming events, ministry announcements, fellowship opportunities, and more. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCoursey. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow as Philip begins a new message on what it looks like to live a serviceable life for God. That's Fit for Use, Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.